the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. I love my church month. I've got a few people that uh, I've asked to do testimonies. We had one testimony at each of the previous services this month. Today, we have two testimonies. And the first one, give a big round of applause to Miss Megan Madison. She's going to tell us why she loves her church. Well, I know I'm not going to go 23 minutes like he did when he gave his testimony, but <laughs> um, when we first walked through those doors... We felt loved and accepted like we had nowhere else. <laughs> it's been a year since we've been here, and I really don't know where we'd be without this church. If it wasn't for this church, he wouldn't have the job that he's got. If it wasn't for this church, he wouldn't have, I don't know where we'd be today. But we love you guys and thank you for accepting us for who we are. Thank y'all guys, love y'all. So we got the 23-minute tes testimony and the 23-second testimony. <laughs> Both of them equally as good, equally as powerful. I'm not going to say what your testimony was about. <laughs> Next, we have Mr. Exciting himself, <laughs> who got baptized without even a smile, Mr. Chandler Claus. Well, uh, I love this church because, like, I went to other churches before this, and you don't really feel the presence of God. Like, he was asking for, thanking for the presence of God. Like, thank you for being here. Ask for his presence. When you, when, when you come in here, all you feel is love. Like, the moment you come here, you feel love because the presence is here. And it's actually a warm, fun-loving family. Like, when I came here, God's been more of a father than I've had my entire life. So for having like a family so you come here like even if you don't have like because my closest relative is like 600 miles away so when i come here and i'm actually around family and i like uh commune or whatever it's called and so you're around family members and that's pretty cool all right, yeah. all right. <laughs> <laughs> was that your drop the mic moment <laughs> he knew better to drop his mic i'll drop it on his head <laughs> They've got to work in the back. They don't wanted to stay here for that exciting testimony. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Chandler. I love you like a son. 
You're doing good, son. All right, let's get into our message today. Jesus says a lot of things, but one of the things that I remember most about what he says in the Gospels is, come follow me. Come follow me. Somewhere along in your existence, he told you, come follow me. Maybe he's been telling you all your life, come follow me. Some do, some don't. I got a dog. Did you give him the pictures of our dog? I got a dog named Macy. If you want to put some pictures up here while I'm talking. Oh, yeah, she looks real innocent in those pictures. Yeah, that's what I, after I kicked her. No. Somebody painted eyebrows on her. There she is on the coffee table. Not supposed to be on the coffee table. We put the blanket on the coffee table so she wouldn't get on the blanket. So she got on the t- coffee table on the blanket. Okay, that's my point about this dog. Some people do their master's will and some don't. That dog is crazy. That dog won't even come when you call. She's like a cat. Come here, Macy, and she just look at you. <laughs> Have you ever had a dog like that? She's, she's quirky. She's weird. You know, she'll be scratching on the door for like 30 minutes to get in, and you, go to, you finally get up and go over there and open the door, and then she just looks at you. <laughs> come on. Macy, come on. Oh, I forgot the routine. I got to shut the door and reopen it. Then she comes in. (laughs) What kind of dog? Hard-headed. And then she's got this, this, what do we call it, a disease? or this? Not a disease, but a a problem. It's called, uh, what does he call it? Uh, Submissive urination. Can I say pee in church? (laughs) To me, pee sounds better than urination. The dog will roll over and pee if she don't know you. And you can't whoop her enough to teach her, but we had to finally look it up on the internet. It says that they have a condition where they feel submissive. They don't feel like they're doing anything wrong. They think by peeing on you that they're being submissive to you. And so we had to learn to put her outside when new people come over. It took us a long time to learn that. One time we got this sectional couch, you know, that goes all around the living room, and we was having folks over. Had six or seven people sitting on that couch. Somebody opened the door, and young Macy jumps in and runs across the the couch. And let me just say, (laughs) she was marking her territory the whole way. Peed on everybody. That's not a way to start a dinner party. But one thing Macy does like to do, which nobody asks her to do, she likes to protect the backyard. She loves to be in the backyard. She don't want a squirrel in her backyard. She don't want a, a, a bird to land on the ground. If it's a bug, she'll eat it, kill it. It don't matter. That backyard is hers. One time she caught a squirrel, and she ate the whole thing. I'm talking hide and all. I don't, we never saw the hide again. I, when I tried to take it from her, she growled at me. She will bite you if you try to stop her from guarding the backyard. Nobody ever asked her to guard the backyard. 
And every other night or so, you know, there's this possum that'll go across our fence. I don't know. The, the possum's got habits, too. And every couple of nights, the possum will just tramps across our back wooden fence there, and Macy will bark, bark, bark until all the neighbors are awake. And we have to go out there. And, and what gets me is Macy's got legs about this long, you know. She, she can't, and she's looking up, but she's jumping like she's going to get that possum. And she's just a hollering. And the possum, why is he even afraid? She's way down there. But the possum stops and then plays dead. <laughs> so it just will go on continually unless you go out there and get re- make the possum move or take her, grab Macy. But if you try to grab Macy, she'll bite you. So it's, a, it's crazy. <laughs> but I don't know why she thinks it's her job to guard the yard. Nobody ever asked her to guard the yard. But when I come out there, she can be, I can catch her, I can see her before I come out through the glass door. She'll be asleep, like up on the pavilion. She'll be a, just dead asleep. But when she hears that door open, she jumps to attention, jumps down, and, and, and gets one of these poses right here, and she starts going, circling the yard, making sure I see that she's watching the yard. <laughs> Round the pool, sniffing, making sure she's on guard. <laughs> Why? I didn't ever ask you to, but I like animals in my yard. But she won't be obedient to anything that we ask. Even when you ask her to come. Rather spend her time barking at possums on the fence. Now, I excuse, uh, I hope you excuse me for the comparison. But when it comes to our master in heaven, are we barking up the wrong fence? Are we doing stuff that he never asked us to do? Or worse, are we playing dead like an old possum? Act like he don't see us. And that we have no responsibility. Are you disobedient and won't do anything God asks you to do? Is Macy going to go through her whole life and never understand that really all we wanted to do was just come when we call, do what we say, and love on us? Let her let us pet her. That's her real calling in life. But that's the farthest thing from her mind. She's got it in her mind that this is it. This is what I'm going to do. And she, she will do that faithfully. But it's never been what we intended for her to do. And I have to ask, our, ask you. <laughs> Some of us, you know, just because we ended up in a certain job or something... Man, we're working hard. We're doing everything that we know to do to guard the yard. But you got, at some point you've got to ask yourself, is that what my master even wants me to do? So we're going to examine today, why are we here? What is our purpose? What does God want me to do? What is it that God wants me to do? And guess what? It's your, it should be your priority to find out. It's your job to find out. You remember Forrest Gump? <laughs> he said, what's my destiny, Mama? She said, I don't know, Forrest. You had to find out for yourself. We're supposed to find out what our destiny is because God is a God of purpose. And he has a purpose for your life. You're not just here by accident. You're not just here to, to do what you want to do. You were given gifts, talents, and abilities 
And God said, I know the plans that I have for you. He put stuff in you before the foundations of the world that you're supposed to accomplish. Don't be like Macy. Exodus 9, 16. In the New International Version says, God says, but I have raised you up for this very purpose. Say purpose. purpose. That I might show you my power. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That's pretty powerful. He could say that to any one of us. I have raised you up for this very purpose. That I might show my power in you. And that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That gives you a sense of destiny right there. But guess who he said that to? He said that to Pharaoh. Somebody who was disobedient wasn't wasn't godly. If he has a purpose for the ungodly, how much more of a purpose does he have for us, his own children? 2 Timothy 1.9 says he saved us. Thank you, Jesus. And he called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. Because of his own purposes. And grace. See, he saved us and called us, created us and made us. Not for our purposes, but for his own purposes, by his own grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus when? Before the beginning of time. There's always been a plan for your life. Philippians 2.12 says, so work hard to show the results of your salvation. What does it say? To work out your salvation. God, when He put a new life on the inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in your mortal body. When you asked Jesus, when you came to end of self and said, God, I need you, He put in His Spirit, He put in His salvation, Everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness is now on the inside of you. And he's saying, work it out. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. That accomplishes His purpose. He's given you the desire to, di- to be different. That was one of the main things we needed because our desires were all going in the wrong direction. But now we have a desire to please Him. And now we have the ability to please Him, the power to please Him. There's really no excuse for us still guarding the yard and wasting our time. And you know, the most common question that a pastor gets a lot is, I don't know my will. What, what's... What's God's will for my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? What is my purpose? If you don't know, Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. There's a lot of stuff in there. Like Rocky said, you know, got a lot of stuff in the, in the basement. Somebody said there's a lot of junk in the trunk. I don't know what that means. There's a lot of stuff. You, there's, there's deepness on the inside of you. There's deep wells of 
good things that God has put on the inside of you. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. They're not meant to stay in there. You're supposed to discover what God has put on the inside of you. Have you started a, a period of discovery in your life? Or are you still just doing what you ended up doing? Are you still just circling in the yard? You're still just barking up the wrong fence. Still playing dead like an old possum. Well, the reason a lot of people don't discover their specific person, uh, purpose is because they don't even know their general purpose. If you don't know why mankind was created, then how are you going to ever stumble across what you were specifically designed to do? So let's turn to Isaiah 43. And see why God created us in the first place. I know we have given him headache after headache. There must have been a, a good reason that he did this. Don't you think? Y'all act like I'm making y'all sad or something. I'm trying to help you. Isaiah 43, verse 7. It says, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. When he says bring me, that implies that he wants us to be with him. Right? Would you agree? Bring me so that you can be with me. Then it says, I have made them for my glory, so we're supposed to be for Him. We're supposed to bring Him glory. And then it says, it was I who created them, and how did He create us? In His own image. So He wants us to be like Him. So you could sum it up and say, our job, our general reason for being is to be with Him, to be for Him, and to be like Him. Would you agree with that? That's what He wants from us. For us to be with Him, for us to be for Him, and us to become like Him. Them, these things bring Him glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, that, that encompasses everything, doesn't it? Do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Matthew 5, 16, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, that you're giving Him glory. To be with Him, to be for Him, and to be like Him. You've got to get your general purpose. You're supposed to be with Him, for Him, and like Him. Say it with me. To be with Him, for him and like him. Let's let it settle in. Okay, say it slow. I'm supposed to be with him. I'm supposed to be for him. And I'm supposed to be like him. Okay, now that we've narrowed it down <laughs> a little bit, let's begin to narrow it down to where you are. Because you as an individual, he made you totally different. There's no two alike on the same row. There's none like Chandler. Can we all agree? His mama said amen. <laughs> hey, Chandler has specific gifts. He's going to go farther than us all. 
But, but we all are different. But we can never be a good Martha until we learn to be a good Mary. It's not just about what you do. You'll never do the right thing until, you, until you've sat at his feet and understood what the right thing is. Without really knowing him, you can't really trust him. And you have to trust God to give yourself to God completely in the manner in which it takes to find yourself in him. See, that's what we're talking about, finding yourself in him today. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know this scripture, right? So there's a trust required. And it gets, it, you, that just doesn't happen by accident that you trust somebody with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Stop circling the yard for a moment. Seek His will in all you do. And He will show you which path to take. See, you want to know what your will is? Slow down. Trust Him with all your heart. Stop trying to understand everything according to your, the, the world according to Gus. <laughs> Garp, whatever you want to call me. What does God want you to do? You see, the trusting and the seeking, seeking Him will lead to the, the specifics that will get you to your destiny. What's my destiny, Mama? I don't know, Forrest. You have to find that out for yourself. Life is like a box of chocolates. Am I heading in the right direction? Some of you... Some of you could sit there and say, man, I, I know I'm right in the center of God's will. I just feel it. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Amen. Amen. That's a good feeling, ain't it? Some of you are thinking, well, most of, I, think, I, I think my heart's right, but I, I'm just not sure if I've ever used the real gifts and talents God's given me. I don't, I'm not sure am I moving in, in the right direction or not. I'm not saying that there, you can make one decision and you can all of a sudden be there. But I'm saying, are you at least, you know, if you're saying I'm going to Nashville, but you're going west, you got a long trip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Am I heading in the right direction? See, you know if you're playing the dead possum. There might be somebody in here playing the dead possum. Saying, well, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I've always done what I want to do. I don't really care what God wants to do. I'm just going to play dead and act like nobody sees me. But it, there's nothing I can do for you. But if you are seeking God's will, you, you may not be sure if you're barking up the wrong fence or not. You know, you, just, you may need some practical help. Say, hey, pastor, what do I do? How do I begin to find out? Well, a good question to ask yourself if you're going in the wrong direction is, have you become happy with normal? Are you used to just normal? Because a lot of people are like, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to stand out. I don't want people to think I'm a holy roller. I don't want, them, you know, I don't want to be a peculiar people. I, I want to be like everybody else. And you want to stumble along that broad path. 
that leads to destruction with so many others. Because it's not easy finding the path that leads to life. It takes work. Remember, work out your salvation. Work towards this stuff. Normal in this world, in this world is not where we want to be. If you, if you stop for a minute and think, what is normal in this world? Divorced? Deceived? In debt? I want to be like everybody else. <laughs> Dependent on some dope? Deluded? Depressed? Diseased? Deceased? Do you really want to be normal? A lot of other D words. That's what's normal in this world. So all you're saying, I want to be normal, you better stop and think about what you're saying. I'm, I agree with Craig Groeschel in that video we watched. I don't want anything to do with normal. I want supernatural. I want godliness. I want something better. I want my life to count. I don't want to just go through the motions. Have you lost joy in your being? You're just going through the motions, just holding on with no end in sight. Sometimes you find yourself just, man, I'm just holding on to the end, uh, and, and your, your boss is just leading that carrot out in front of your nose, and you can't reach it, and there's no end in sight to this. This is just going on and on, and you've been around that mountain so many times, you know it's nothing's ever going to change, and so you just grown weary and you think this is the way life is life is repetitive it's meaningless i don't see a reason for going on some people get to that point your mantra becomes tgif thank god it's friday on friday afternoon you're the happiest person in at your job by saturday you're thinking that's just one day closer to monday so you got Friday afternoon, you got joy, but the rest of the time is thinking about Friday afternoon. TGIF instead of WWJD is what you should be thinking. What would Jesus do? You are the captain of your ship. You have to make decisions. <coughs> Mama can't do it for you, Forrest. It may be that you're not aimed toward your specific destiny and your specific purpose at all. And so I'm just here to open your eyes today. I'm, I, I hope y'all looking at me like you're mad at me. I'm sorry. I headed off into life with nothing more than a hunch and a guess. And whoever paid the most money, that's where I went. If there was a pretty girl over there, that's where I was. I tried to apply, it didn't matter. I didn't know what I, I was like a sheep led to the slaughter. And people that do that, they end up broke, broke down and broke out. And nobody thinks when they're a little kid, I'm going to end up, you know, spending my life in prison. Nobody thinks I'm a, whether it's a prison with bars or it's a prison of their own design. Nobody thinks that my life is going to be useless and nothing to it and it's, it's going nowhere. No hope. Lost my joy. Just trying to exist. Living by the TV guide. I could go on. I see these things in people. I see Christians. They're supposed to be alive and vibrant and, and fire coming out of their eyes like Jesus. And they're just dead and dull. Because they've been beat down on that wide path that they have chosen. 
And then you have some that started out in the right direction. They, were, they got saved and they were excited about what is my plan for life and they took off in that direction, but then life happened. Life happens. Throws us curveballs. Life is hard. You get beat down. You, do you know you're not going to reach your destination without some resistance? To be who God's calling you to be, you're going to have to be able to face hard times. You're going to have to be able to, to press through the walls. Through the fear, through the things that the devil, the smoke screens that the devil puts up, through hard times. Sometimes it's heartache that just causes us. But that's why it's so important to stay at his feet. Because he will rejuvenate you. Stir yourselves up in your first love. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Sometimes you need... To recalculate your GPS, your God positioning system. You know, if you ever find yourself going in the wrong direction, that thing says, turn around, turn around, you know, make a left here and go back to where you started. You know, life, life will get you off course, but your God positioning system, if you'll stay with Him, He will begin to get you back where you left off. Lukewarm is, is a species God never intended. You know, when God gave you a new spirit, He said, you're a new creation. A new creation. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. If it raised Christ from the dead, He said, the works that I do shall you do greater than these. I mean, everything that pertains to life and godliness, salvation is a package as a whole. Everything that you need is in there. He must be up there perplexed that people with fat on the inside of them are blending in with the world that are lukewarm. That is, he never intended that. He thought when He gave you His Spirit that you would walk like Him, that you would be like Him, that you would stand out, that you would walk in a suit. You wouldn't be mere mortals like the Bible calls some of them. When did you decide you are going to be normal and like everybody else? Who told you that? You have God's Spirit. You have purpose and destiny. I don't care what anybody else is doing. Lukewarm. That's why it, it, it baffles God, I believe. I don't know if God can be baffled. But I, if God could be perplexed, I'm sure it would be over people who have His Spirit but just choose not to, not to do anything special. To be lukewarm in their relationship. When they see Jesus on the cross, but it doesn't mean anything to them. But i got good news for you today. If that's been you, God allows you turns. God gives turnarounds. The Bible's chock full of them. Gideon! The Bible approached Gideon. He was hiding from his enemies. He said, oh, mighty man of valor. Gideon said, who? <laughs> He's looking around. Who's he talking to? You, Gideon. Oh, you got the wrong guy. He said, I'm like the weakest one in my whole family. My family's like the weakest one in the whole tribe. 
And our tribe's the weakest one in all of I know you ain't talking. You talking to me? <laughs> yeah. You, you mighty man of valor. How many of you feel like Gideon? Oh boy, what can I do? I'm just so little. You don't know my past. You don't know where, where I came from. It don't matter. God can give great turnarounds. God used Gideon to save the whole nation of Israel. A little boy hiding out in a wine press from the enemy. Didn't take him long. Just took his obedience. His willingness. Rahab. She was a prostitute. Made her living. Giving her body away. Lived in the wall of Jericho. And you know what happened to the walls of Jericho. But God got her out before the walls came down. And just by being faithful, just by switching teams, I, you know, just made a decision, I'm not going to play for this team anymore. I'm not going to be like this anymore. Will you have mercy on me? And she just showed a little faith, and now she's in chapter 11 of Hebrews, the hall of heroes of faith. Rahab, a prostitute. Jesus, he went around giving people U-turns and turnarounds. Think about Peter. Peter was a lousy fisherman. Did you see anywhere that Peter caught a fish before Jesus? It says he fished all night, didn't catch anything. He wasn't a good fisherman. But he was when Jesus came along. Jesus made him a fisher of men. Jesus took Matthew, a despised old tax collector, and made him a best-selling author. You ever read the book of Matthew in the Bible? The Bible is the best-selling book of all times. Jesus went around. I mean, everywhere he went, turn around. Get up off that mat and walk. Here, let me put some mud in your eyes so you can see. Oh, he's dead? I'll take care of that. Arise, young man. Turn around. He, he, if he can bring the dead to life, what can he not do in your life? Are you completely dead? Do you have breath left? <sighs> he turned my life around. There was a time I felt close to completely dead. Didn't understand what was my purpose. Didn't understand. I, I was like, I'll be glad when all this is over, to be honest. But he turned my life around. He gave me a U-turn, and I'm so thankful. Sometimes you come across when you're studying. I was studying the word turnaround and, and turnarounds in the Bible and preparing for today's message. And sometimes I come across somebody who says just what I wanted to say and said it just in a better way than I could ever say it. And so I think, why don't I just let them say it? So I got a video. If somebody could get the lights real quick, you got the video charged up. It's just like two minutes. But listen to this. This is, I mean, powerful. Talking about turnarounds. You know, I just want to encourage you with some of the things that God's been putting on my heart recently. You know, I've just been with the church teaching them a series called Turn Around God. And really the whole concept behind that is that sometimes we settle for, for, for less than that. 
when God can turn things completely around, we'll often just settle at a slight improvement. Or we'll say, well, you know, God helped me out a bit. But God's more than a little bit of help. God is all the help you need. And, you know, turn around God is as understanding again and grabbing on again to the concept that there's nothing that God can't turn around. You know, it says in Isaiah 61 that we are anointed to go and do a turnaround in our communities, to turn people that are in sorrow to rejoicing, to turn people that are in mourning to having a bouquet, the Message Bible says, of flowers instead of their ashes. God is into a full, complete turnaround. You know, when God looked at Saul, when most people saw someone that was persecuting, God saw a preacher. When most people saw someone who was a murderer, God saw his finest missionary. God looks at people from a turnaround perspective. And if we could do that, what could we see about the situations we face right now? I want to encourage you to, to go after a turnaround, to be part of the turning of people's lives. You know, God turned around Saul into a focused destiny that was the Apostle Paul. But it took a group of people to get alongside Saul. You know, he sent him someone that would be alongside him to lay hands on him, to help him see clearly. He also gave him someone called Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Maybe your part in the process of someone's turnaround is to be a Barnabas, is to be someone who lays hands and gets alongside. I want to encourage you, wherever this finds you, to believe that God can turn things around and then be part of the turnaround process. Be part of that group of people that get alongside what God is doing. God wants to turn around your life. He wants to turn around marriages, turn around children, turn around businesses. He wants to turn around communities. And it begins with all of us believing and putting our hands to the turn. So I'm encouraging you, go to it, get involved wherever this finds you. God is a turnaround God. Amen. So, so the idea is we get our life turned around so we can help somebody else get turned around. We spend, we spend the rest of our life helping other people. That's what the church is for. It's I love my church month. So when I look over here at who we are, I see a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. See, God has ignited a fire in this church. And, and part of who we are is to ignite that passionate pursuit of true purpose in your life. And so, you're at the right place today. You're at the right place for a turnaround today. Whether you need a big turnaround or maybe you just need a slight wheel correction. Whatever you need. And we're going to help you. We're going to help each other. Some of you are saying, well, I don't, I don't know how to help nobody, but... I've done everything wrong. Well, then you know what to tell them not to do. That's the way I always say it. We can help one another. That's why I love my church. That video, the, the lady was named Charlotte Gamble. I want to give her credit for that. I thought that was really good. So, let's talk about a few specific ways that I just thought of in my lightning fast mind of how things, practical things that we can do to begin to hone in on our specific purpose. What does God want me to do? What is God's will? Am I heading in the right direction? Well, first, pray. That always is a good place to start. Many times it's the last thing we do. Oh, has it come to that? You know, No. Pray. And then, pray some more. 
Then when you get tired of praying, pray. Pray, pray. And as you're praying, let it be communication. Let it be dialogue, not a monologue. Not just you telling God what you want. Comes a time you got to hear from God. Be quiet. Get quiet at His feet and let Him do the talking. Let Him do the preaching. Let Him do the, the instructions. And tell Him, God, here I am. I'm willing. See, God works with willing hearts. He said He looked all over the earth to find somebody that would say, here I am, Lord. Use me. So He wants to hear it out of your mouth. Don't just assume that God is going to do it. He's going to thrust it upon you. Seek God's will. He said, knock, and it shall be open. If you don't knock, what's it? He's just standing there at the door. He's not knocked yet. Seek, and you shall find. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. These are just some common things. And when you pray, and you think you've maybe got a direction, maybe I should do this, I'm thinking of, and before you make any major changes or whatever, you know, uh, make sure you have peace in your heart. And get some counsel. You know, there's safety in a multitude of counselors, the Bible says. So go to some of your brothers and sisters that you respect and think that they got their life somewhat together and say, I feel like God's telling me this. You know, some of you may say, I feel like God's telling me to divorce my wife and go do this. And they'll say, boy, what's wrong with you? You know, nothing he's going to tell you is going to be against the Word of God and God's general will, but that's why you get counsel, right? In case somebody knows something that you don't know. But at some point, you've got to get moving towards things. Uh, use common sense, practical wisdom. One thing you can do is say, God, what is it? that you've put in my heart. How many, you know, digging things out, you, those deep wells, you got to draw things out. What's in there? Let's go through the, the treasure chest. All right, lust, all right, adultery, okay, pornography. Let's get those things out. Oh, 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 wait a minute. Love for Jesus? Oh, I care about the poor. Start getting in the treasure box of your heart and see what's really down in there. What God has put in there besides what the world has put in there. Start throwing the things of the world out and get down into the things that God has put in there. What are your passions? What excites you? What makes you mad? I mean, what really angers you? When you see it on TV, I can't believe that. That just really angers me. I can't believe people. Well, if it stirs your passion, it might be something that God's calling you to do something about. But if you have a passion, I love that, I love that. That might be something that God's calling you to do. Then ask yourself, what are the gifts and talents that you have? You may be terrible at math. Why are you working as an accountant? You don't like it. Practical stuff. What, what are you good at? Are you using... God didn't give you those abilities. Some of you, when you were little... You, you were an artist, and you, you had all these gifts and talents in different areas. You were a writer. And then, but you just chased the money, and you got off the path. 
But hey, let's circle back around and say, what did God put in me? Let's start working back towards that. Now, did I tell anybody to go quit your job Monday? No, I'm not telling you that. You got to pray it out, Forrest. You got to pray it out. But you got to get the wheels moving. What's going to utilize your strengths? And is the new path that you're thinking about taking, is it going to lead you towards God or away from God? Well, you know, God, I'm good at drinking. So I'm going to get a job at the bar. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Right? <laughs> Will it produce anything of eternal importance? Now, I don't mean, no, I'm not saying that you have to be called to the fivefold ministry. I'm not saying, but is what you're doing, is it leading, is, is it, More in the light than it is in the dark? Is it leading people to something good? You know, if your lifelong work is in the pornography industry or something, you might think about a career change. You know? And maybe you're good with people, but you're stuck in a cubicle or you're, you're something, you're, you're really gifted talking with people and ministering to people and and you, maybe you need to find a job with public interface. God has something for you, you that uses your gifts, talents, abilities, and, and puts your passions into play. I, I would suggest having a blue sky session, session. You know what that is? That's when you just take the limits off because a lot of us are just trapped by our own limitations, our own fears. The way we see ourselves. The way somebody told us we are when we was little and we're still believing it. And we trap ourselves. So, well, I, I you know, I, when I was a kid, I wanted to be this and I knew that was in my heart to do, but then we were poor and we never have enough money to go to college and I knew I couldn't do it. And, and you think of a thousand reasons why you couldn't do something and what I'm saying is, have a blue sky session and say, if money was not an issue, if my own thoughts about who I am is not an issue, my own limitations that I put upon myself, the own bars that I've enclosed myself with, if they were not an issue, what would I be doing? What would I want to do with my life? Well, if you could think like that outside the box for a minute, you might just hit on something God would want you to do. Because all things are possible to him that believeth. That might just get to the heart of where you're at if you'll just take the limits off for a minute. That might be what you're called to do. It's just a thought. But God can't steer a parked car. I didn't tell anybody to quit your job Monday. But I'm saying, pray and say, if you're unhappy, I'm, you may be exactly where God wants you. Don't make a move. Don't, don't let me talk you into, out of something. But maybe I can talk you into something that you need to be in. Maybe the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. You know your situation. Maybe you need to make a change. 
And so if, if you do, get the wheels moving and God will steer. Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who are called according to His purpose. And so if you're trying to find His purpose, and even if you make a mistake and you head off in the wrong direction, but you've given Jesus the will, how many know that song? Jesus, take the will. Hey, He's going to steer you right. He'll work it out. Say, work it out. There's a guy named Jephthah in the Bible. <coughs> Jephthah is uh, described as a mighty warrior. But the problem is, is his dad's named Gilead, and his dad had had an affair on his mom. Well, it isn't his mom then, is it? Had had an affair with his wife, against his wife, and had slept with a prostitute. And that's where Jephthah came from. From that unholy union, so to speak. So Jephthah is being raised in Gilead's household along with his half-brothers who came from Gilead's wife. And all they do is talk bad about him. They don't want him as a brother. You're a son of a whore. Your mama's a prostitute. You shouldn't even be here. There's no reason for your existence. They talk bad about him. They treat him awful. They despise him. They chase him away so they can steal his inheritance. I want you to think for a moment. If you grew up like that, how you must feel. You're thinking, man, was I, I'm, a, I'm a mistake. I ain't even supposed to be here. There's no worth in my life. And people are constantly telling you, there's no worth in your life. You're a son of a whore. They're talking about your mama. Then that gets to the heart of a boy. They wants to take up for his mama. Don't talk about my mama, but what can you say? It's true. He is disrespected in every way growing up. Why do you think he became a warrior? He's got all this anger. raging on the inside of him. I can imagine he became a warrior. But in becoming a warrior, it seemed like he must have found, hit on some of his gifts there, some of his talents, because he said he was a great warrior. And in fact, after he was kicked out of the house, all these rebel types like him began to be drawn to his leadership. And he's like David, who had his own mighty men, you know, when he was out in the wilderness. Jephthah has his own group of mighty men. And he has the leadership abilities, God-given natural abilities to lead these guys and become a great force. And guess what happens? The great Ammonite army comes against Israel. And they're more powerful, more numerous, and they're about to basically wipe Israel off the map. And so Gilead and his sons and all the rest of Israel is thinking, we're going to get killed. What are we going to do? There's no way we can defeat these Ammonites. And somebody says, well, we could get Jephthah. You mean that son of a whore? But he is a great warrior. They thought about it a minute. He may be our only way out. So they called Jephthah. Jephthah said, y'all calling me? I thought y'all didn't want me. I thought y'all kicked me out. I thought, 
You know, you didn't want no part with me. They said, well, we need you, Jephthah. We need you to defeat the Ammonites for us. So Jephthah thanks, he says, and he says this out loud. He said, so let me get this straight. If God gives me the victory over the Ammonites, I can be your king? Because they promised him the kingship if he would help. I mean, they were that desperate. It was either die or let Jephthah be the king. <laughs> they didn't want to, believe me. But that's what it had come down to. But I like what Jephthah said. He said, if God gives me the victory. So that tells me this young man who could have had every excuse in the world not to become nothing because his history, his past, and what everybody told him and everybody invested negative into him. But he still finds God. He, still, he is wise enough just by, by accident, I guess, to have a relationship with God because he said, if God gives me the victory, he's trusting in God. I don't know. Sometimes I see people, addicts in the alley or somewhere, living on the streets. I think to myself, they're closer to God than somebody living in a mansion that think they don't need God. Sometimes, you know, I've been saying a lot lately, you got to get to the end of self before life even begins. Well, he started out at the end of self. He didn't have no self-worth at all, but he cried out to God. And now his gifts and his abilities have made room for him, just like the Bible says. And sure enough, God gives him the victory. And despite everything against him, he becomes king of all of Israel. Just because he had natural abilities that God gave him, that he tapped into, maybe by accident, and that he trusted God. Two things. You know, the world may stop you. The world may stop you, but it can't stop you and God. It'll stop you. It'll tear you down. It'll throw you out. It'll discard you. But it can't stop you and God. Amen to that? Don't despise small beginnings. If you started out slow, look, today is the first day of the rest of your life. The past is the past at last. Behold, all things can become new today. Don't matter what somebody has told you about your life in the past. It don't matter if it's some of you saying, well, I've been following after God to the best of my abilities and nothing seems to be happening. Well, don't despise delayed fulfillment. Enjoy the journey. God works by seed, time, and harvest. He planted a seed in you, but it's going to take some time for it to grow up and produce a harvest. How long? How much time? That's what we're talking about here today. How many times do you want to go around that yard, Macy? Before you understand, you just got to be obedient and find out what you were really called to do. That's the time. It took me 40 years 
When I was eight years old, I cried out to God, God, I want to be a priest when I get big because I, I had been to the Catholic Church. I knew I wanted to serve him when I was eight. It was 40 years later when I took this pulpit right here at 48 years old. You talking about running around the yard too many times. Barking up the wrong fence for too long. Playing possum. But I'm here now. And as somebody who knows what it's like to play possum and bark up the wrong fence and spin around in circles my whole life, somebody who now stands in the position that I feel like God called me to, I can tell you, whatever you got to do, get that car moving. It's worth it. It's work. It's hard. It's not easy. It's the narrow road that few there be that find it, but you're the few. You're the chosen. You're the called. And it's so worth it to be able to stand in the place. Have that fulfillment of knowing I am where God wants me to be. Proverbs 19.21 says you can make many plans but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can try to build a house, but unless the Lord builds a house, he who labors, labors in vain. Hmm. Well, it's time for me to close. But any great journey starts with the first step. I hope I've encourage you to begin to pray and think about taking a step today if you need to. Come down from that wall, my possum friend. <laughs> Stop barking up that wrong fence. And your, your first and best step has to be to the altar. That's the best step you'll ever take. If you don't know Jesus is Lord of your life, boy, you... you <laughs> yeah, she said, run for us, run. Run to this altar. <laughs> that is exactly right. Run for us, run. Run to Jesus. Run to where you find meaning. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. They're good. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.